has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. The peripheral nervous system makes up a large network of nerves that connect the brain and spinal cord to the body. These nerves range in size from the tiny nerves in our skin to large nerves like the sciatic nerve that stretches all the way down the leg. Damage to even our smallest nerves can cause intense pain, and nerves that don't heal or reconnect properly after injury are much more likely to cause chronic pain. Medical conditions like diabetes, HIV, or cancer can damage the peripheral nerves and lead to neuropathic pain. This is often felt as burning, electric-like, or stabbing pain. Others might experience numbness. Electrical stimulation of single nerves that cause pain, called peripheral nerve stimulation, offers a way to control pain without accessing the spinal cord. We haven't had many devices specifically designed for the peripheral nerves until now. The device is called StimRouter. It's minimally invasive for patients with certain kinds of neuropathic pain in the arms, legs, pelvis, and trunk. Kay Gagnon will share firsthand how this peripheral nerve stimulator turned her life around following a motor vehicle accident. Then, Dr. Einar Odestad from Stanford Medical Center describes who's a candidate, how the device is implanted, and the risks and benefits of StimRouter. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, St. Jude Medical, Bioness, Boston Scientific, and the Pain Community. For cutting-edge treatments and ways to manage pain, please sign up for weekly emails at paulchristomd.com. Kay Gagnon is an engineer in the aerospace industry. She was injured in a motor vehicle accident when a texting driver hit her car. Kay, welcome to Aches and Gains. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. My pleasure. First, tell us what kind of pain you were diagnosed with. I had muscle damage after a car accident. I was hit by a texting driver. And you also injured some of the nerves outside the spinal cord called the peripheral nerves, didn't you? Yeah, luckily I didn't damage the spinal cord. Yes, that's great news. But you did experience pain. Where? After the accident, I was, of course, shooken up and went home, went to bed, woke up the next morning and thought, I think I'm okay. And by noon that day, my back, my neck, my um, lower back, my mid-back, my neck, everything started hurting. And Mm -hmm. by 1 o'clock, I could barely drive myself to the emergency room. I had just, like, curled up in pain. I started, I think, going into shock. I mean, I got cold, and, and it was just overwhelming back pain up and down my entire spine. What happened after you got back from the emergency room? I really couldn't walk. I mean, I couldn't sit. I went for a good six months where um, I literally couldn't either stand, sit, or lay down on the floor for more than 15 minutes, Mm. you know, without uh, excruciating pain. Yeah. I mean, that sounds awful. Okay. Where was the pain focused? The most severe pain was in my hips, my lower back 
and then my mid-back, mm-hmm. my neck. I had three distinct points. The worst was my lower back because I just couldn't walk. I mean, it hurt so bad. It felt like grinding, severe pain, mm. and, and also overall muscle pain in my hip. Now, when we talked earlier, you, you did say that most of the pain was in the upper buttock area, and anatomically, that area is called the posterior iliac crest, which you're calling the hip, right? Yeah, well, it, it was really that whole region, but it was just a lot of pain in my entire hip, lower back area. And you damaged some nerves there, didn't you? Yeah, and that was my clinial nerve that eventually I found the stem router from Bionest that really relieved pain. And we'll talk much more about the stem router later on. Uh, before that, though, you mentioned the clunial nerves. These were damaged during your car accident. These are nerves that provide sensation to the upper and mid buttock. And unfortunately, they are often injured during bone graft harvesting. Okay, uh, many of my patients will say that their pain becomes all-encompassing. I mean, it sort of takes over their life. Did that happen to you? You know, I can't describe how chronic, chronic pain really is, Mm -hmm. both physically and emotionally. You know, I was working full-time, you know, trying to survive. And when you have to overcome the physical pain, the emotional pain, I mean, your brain doesn't even work as well because, you know, there's just all this energy going into just moving your legs, just sitting down, just standing up. You know, I can't describe to people that I hope that they have some empathy and some sympathy. I'm sure it's horrible to be around loved ones when we get like this because we're just partially crazy. I mean, I was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just, it's so difficult to live with all that pain for such a long period of time. It definitely is. You mentioned that you had a sort of a thinking problem, and we know from functional MRI imaging that chronic pain conditions like fibromyalgia or low back pain, for example, can cause changes in the gray matter in the brain. And I've had patients tell me that they have problems processing information or remembering details. Were you affected in any way like that? Yeah, it's that the the answers don't come as quickly. It it, mm-hmm. it feels like you have to put in double energy, double thinking just to do the simplest of tasks. Right, exactly. Okay, how did the pain affect your family life? Well, luckily at the time, I was uh, my both my sons were off in college and I was single. A lot of people didn't have to put up with me. And, you know, my friends a year after the accident were like, well, why didn't you tell us you were hurting so bad? And why we would have done more. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think I was just such in survival mode. I didn't even realize how sick I was, how much pain I was in, you know, how much I was um, literally kind of covering it up because, Mm -hmm. you know, I was working. I needed to be viable. Yeah, absolutely. I have patients who tell me, Dr. Christo, Life as I knew it is over. Did you ever feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. It's just a full stop. I would spend my weekends uh, with a neighbor friend of mine. We'd walk for three to four hours, you know, up and down the coastline every Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. I was active. I was going to Pilates. And, you know, I had a full life and wonderful friends and, you know, flying for work. And then I got in this accident and... Oh, for three months, there was no way I could get on a plane flight, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then for two and a half years, you know, I was literally looked like a weirdo walking up and down the aisles, standing around back by the, 
you know, the crew area. No. I couldn't sit a cross-country plane flight for two and a half years. Wow. I couldn't sit through a dinner, through a performance. I couldn't do any of that stuff because I just couldn't sit for, you know, more than 15 minutes at a time. At mm. work, you know, I'd be standing up and standing in the back of the room. And, you know, it's very awkward when you're you're just physically not capable of, quote-unquote, being normal. I can understand why. We talked earlier about you using anti-inflammatories, and unfortunately, they seemed to help you, but then they created an ulcer, so you had to stop them. What else did you use for pain control? I did a very extensive regime of physical therapy. I did acupuncture. I did massage therapy. And I know that physical therapy provided the most relief out of all those uh, modalities. You mentioned earlier that there were a lot of life changes and limitations that occurred as a result of the pain. Did you ever reach the point of feeling completely hopeless? I had two very depressing Januaries in a row, and I thought, wow, I really understand how people commit suicide. I really looked at not being alive as a viable option Mm -hmm. because I was in so much pain, and I just thought, how long can I deal with this? You can't be normal. You can't do what you want to do. And I remember after I was better, you know, the first couple times I went to yoga and I just started crying because I could move my body and it didn't hurt. You know, it was awesome. Totally awesome. And you managed the pain with the peripheral nerve stimulator device called the Stim Router implanted by a pain specialist. I didn't even know there was pain management doctors out there. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm much more familiar with it, and there are a lot of alternatives to opioids. Why doctors are still going there first is unnerving to me. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did want to share is I hope people listening to your program keep looking for their, their solutions because I've met so many people now that have chronic pain and, you know, I felt like I'd never find the right solution for me and I, I finally did. And it's, it took much longer than I wanted it to, but it's so worth it. <laughs> it definitely is worth it. And I'm glad you said that. Don't give up. And please join us for part two when we learn all about the Router device and how it benefited Kay. And Kay, thanks so much for being here today on Aches and Gains. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Straight ahead is Dr. Ainer Odestad from the Stanford University School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, the global leader in evidence-based and drug-free chronic pain technologies. We are here to help patients get back their independence. Bioness, a leading provider of solution-driven medical devices and rehabilitation technologies that provide functional and therapeutic benefits for individuals affected by pain and central nervous system disorders. The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Dr. Ainer Odestad is a clinical associate professor of anesthesiology and pain medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. He's also the president of the World Academy of Pain Medicine Ultrasonography. Dr. Odestad, welcome to Aches and Gains. Yes, of course, my pleasure. We've talked about using spinal cord stimulation for pain relief on previous shows. I mean, it can be quite effective for lumbosacral radicular pain. That's low back pain and shooting leg pain. Also for conditions like complex regional pain syndrome, for example. But 
Many peripheral nerves can be damaged and cause pain that we can't cover as well using spinal cord stimulation. So how valuable is the ability to target damaged peripheral nerves with electrostimulation? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, probably uh, 70 to 80% of the patients I see uh, essentially have chronic pain because of a peripheral nerve injury. Mm -hmm. Now that nerve injury can be a result of a uh, perfectly otherwise benign surgery uh, or it can be the result of some sort of trauma. Uh, but in those cases, if one can identify which particular peripheral nerve uh, is causing the pain, it simply makes sense to target that nerve uh, as opposed to targeting an entire body region. I agree. Now, if we look back over the last 40 years, we've had evidence from several research studies showing not only good pain relief from peripheral nerve stimulation of many different nerves, like the median nerve, the ulnar nerve, the sciatic nerve, for example, but also improvement in other outcome measures, like no use of opioids, or improved functional status, or better sleep and mood. Have you seen these improvements in your patients? Yes, and I would say my most successful patients are the ones that are able to use their device in uh, replacement of, of medications. Well, then it sounds like you have a fair number of patients for whom you are able to reduce opioids and other pain medicines that we use, like uh, gabapentin or nortriptyline. Yes, uh, if we can reduce uh, the burden of those medicines, uh, I think it's helpful uh, as well and uh, hopefully also reduces the cost of the system as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, but by no means is, is that the standard. That's the home run. Right. Some of the patients need to keep taking a, a little bit of something. They do, especially if they have pain in other areas of their body. Aner, uh, you know, in the past, a lot of these peripheral nerve stimulator procedures required surgical exposure by a neurosurgeon, for example, of that particular nerve being stimulated. And then a lead, or what's called a paddle electrode, was placed next to the nerve and sutured to adjacent tissue. Now, others, like pain specialists, uh, also can insert the lead under the skin near the target nerve, which is called percutaneous placement. But either way, the lead or the wire would then require extensive tunneling underneath the skin to the battery, which is often located far away from the area of pain. However, with StimRouter, the placement of the lead is quite a bit easier, isn't it? So it's, it's interesting. Uh, peripheral nerve stimulation has traditionally been in the realm of the neurosurgeon for mm -hmm. the reasons you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The big bonus with specifically the StimRouter is that it's entirely a percutaneous procedure. So I can, I can really target a nerve anywhere in the body without really needing more than a half centimeter incision. Uh, by adding the use of ultrasound, I can visualize the nerves uh, sometimes easier than what the surgeons can with open exposure and ensure that I put the lead exactly where I want it. Mm -hmm. And the final benefit is that since the only piece of hardware that's implanted is the lead itself, uh, really, it works uh, well in uh, the smaller extremities. And of course, as you, as you know, uh, once you finish the procedure, the skin simply has to heal for a couple of weeks. And uh, then the power source is a, is, a, is a sticky battery that just goes on the outside of the skin. Right. And um, electricity is delivered uh, by, uh, by induction. So it really has solved what I would say are the, the major problems with uh, the surgery and how it was just even a few years ago. Exactly. I've used this peripheral nerve stimulator device for patients with post-stroke shoulder pain with good results. It can also be used for many other peripheral nerve problems in the body. For example, uh, groin pain or shoulder pain or, or take uh, Kay's condition, clunial neuralgia for upper buttock pain.
And you've done quite a number of these implantations, haven't you? I've probably implanted uh, close to 30 patients in uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. The, the results have been, been about the same, no matter where I place it. Uh, generally good results. Now, we often do a single nerve block of an affected nerve before we consider implanting the stem router. And has that been an effective diagnostic method for you? I have to stay cautious about using very, very low volume uh, diagnostic blocks to clearly identify what is uh, the pain generator. Mm -hmm. I I really look for patients with uh, mononeuropathies. If there's any nerve that I can block with a very small volume of local anesthetic and the pain goes away, uh, the stim router is going to work uh, fairly well. Mm-hmm. And by mononeuropathy, we mean some injury of one single nerve. And before we break, I want to say that the stim router is FDA cleared for chronic peripheral nerve pain. That is, think of Kay's example of clunial nerve pain that causes upper buttock pain, or for example, inguinal pain, that is groin pain caused by nerve injury from the ilioinguinal nerve or the iliohypogastric nerve, for example. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Ottestat about the real advantage of peripheral nerve stimulation over all other forms of management of pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Be sure to look for the exclusive release of Dr. Paul Christo's new book, Aches and Gains. You'll get cutting-edge information on understanding pain, traditional and innovative treatments, and an exciting array of integrative therapies. You'll also get personal accounts of celebrities in their battle to overcome pain. Get your copy on Amazon this fall. Remember, no one is immune to pain, but together we can overcome it. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Ainer Ottestead from Stanford Medical Center talking about the stim router device, which is a peripheral nerve stimulator device. A couple things to remember here. One, we can't use the stim router in the cranial facial region. Two, it has to be implanted a distance away from a cardiac pacemaker or other metallic implant. Three, we probably shouldn't use it in pregnancy. And four, a patient can get an MRI as long as the MRI is in a region that's a safe distance away from where the lead is actually implanted. Ainer, I feel like the advantage of peripheral nerve stimulation is that we can specifically target pain at its origin. What do you think? I generally introduce the peripheral nerve stimulation as being a much less invasive uh, option far away from the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, been my experience that at least 60 to 70% of folks uh, prefer to avoid instrumenting anything near their spine uh, if they can avoid it. So I think there's an inherent advantage there. Now let's talk about the advantages of peripheral nerve stimulation over spinal cord stimulation. Now spinal cord stimulation can be quite effective, but it can be difficult to reduce pain in certain areas of the body, like the groin, the feet, for example, and sometimes the low back. It also requires the placement of a battery into a subcutaneous pocket, and we have to tunnel wires through the skin to that battery from the leads. Yes, I, I, I certainly uh, uh, understand where you're, where you're coming from with that. The clear advantage with peripheral nerve stimulation is we don't have to search uh, over the spinal cord anymore. Mm-hmm. Finding most of these nerves using ultrasound is uh, fairly straightforward. And when you find it, all you have to do is uh, watch the needle go to the nerve and then put the lead through that needle, then pull the needle out. 
and our lead is going to be exactly where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. I would say it's actually quite forgiving in placement uh, as well, even on the on the few cases where my intraoff stimulation wasn't optimal. When once I saw that patient back two weeks later. Uh, the stimulation was always significantly improved. Now, one of the disadvantages of using spinal cord stimulator leads or a paddle placed next to a peripheral nerve is that tension and strain can lead to migration, breakage, and malfunction of that particular lead. And, you know, many peripheral nerves lie in regions of high mobility, like the arms, legs, and neck. Are these things less of a risk with StimRouter? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I always would have thought that the stimulators are placed in the, in the calf, in the, in the lower leg, would be uh, prone to migrate. Mm-hmm. Probably I've, I've placed a, a dozen of those in the, the last six to nine months, and uh, I haven't had a, a single migration at all. Right. Uh, I think there's a big difference in, in using technology that's uh, specifically designed from the ground up to lie in the epidural space uh, over the spinal cord uh, versus the uh, electrode used by StimRouter, which uh, has, has three electrodes, but they're spaced much closer together, and it has uh, a built-in soft uh, plastic anchor that really keeps the lead right where you want it. Uh, but I do think one of the bigger reasons that it hasn't migrated, uh, as you alluded to, is the fact that the lead isn't connected to anything else. Right. Uh, there's nothing pulling on it, so as long as you can avoid placing the electrode itself across the joint, you should be just fine. Yeah, I found that the lead is flexible. It's actually only about 15 centimeters long. It's thin and has an anchor as part of the design to minimize lead migration. And Aner, I haven't seen any injury to peripheral nerves from placing the device, and a more recent study assessing the device for up to a year didn't show any serious device-related events, but have you found any nerve injuries or device-related problems? The actual kit that the device comes with that includes all the components has specifically been designed to be uh, very safe. For example, the uh, first step of uh, any operation will be to identify the nerve either directly visually with ultrasound Mm -hmm. or using electricity. And the initial probe is uh, very, very tiny, and it's actually very, very blunt. You can drive that down to the nerve and and probably poke at it pretty pretty hard, and and the nerve should be okay, and the probe isn't going to injure it. And then the uh, next step is the introducer sheath, which is made out of plastic. It's also very soft and not very sharp. You can take that safely right down next to the nerve. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the lead itself uh, is, is uh, also blunt, and it's plastic and very floppy. Uh, so the, uh, the entire kit has been specifically designed to uh, avoid nerve injury. Now, of course, you're never going to get that down to zero, right? but uh, I think it's as is, it's, it's already extremely safe. Now, have you found that there is an ideal way to place the lead under the skin and then attach the battery and external pulse transmitter on top of the skin? The uh, ideal placement should have the lead and the antenna maybe four or five centimeters apart. Uh, the reason for that is uh, the battery has a plus side and a minus side, and you basically want to put the plus and minus uh, on the lead and the antenna of the electrode, and then you make kind of a triangular uh, electrical circuit. Right. Uh, it's simply the, the most efficient way to use electricity. You can place the lead uh, in, in other ways that aren't as, as optimal. It will still work. Uh, you may just need to use a, a little bit more battery power to get enough energy to the lead tip. And for clarification, the lead is implanted entirely underneath the skin. On top of the skin, then, is an electrode patch, and on top of the electrode patch is a rechargeable external pulse transmitter. 
What a great show. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Odestead. All right. Thank you for having me. And be sure to join us for part two when we talk more in detail about the technical aspects of implanting the stem router, whether there are any complications, and finally, how much pain relief patients typically experience. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.